and I got closer and it looked more like a Sasquatch. I thought, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is awful. I can't say anything. This is so embarrassing. I'm starting to lose it. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Hey, I have a wonderful announcement to make. I am so excited about this. Travis and I have been working with Mason and Emily Gravely for a while now. They are going to join us in helping to get the Adventure Sports Podcast to you. And so we're going to have some new voices. They're going to be doing some hosting. They're going to be doing some editing. They're a part of the team. Wanted to make the announcement today and share. So here is Emily Gravely. Emily, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to start this new project. We are really excited, too. I think we need some new voices, and you guys have such cool and fresh ideas, and we can really use the help right now in getting the show going, so I'm just really excited to have you on board. Mason, what do you think about all this? Oh, man, I'm really excited. It was a pleasure to be on the show a few times, and I know I get a lot of inspiration from it, so I'm excited to carry that on. (laughs) Right on. So those of you who have been listening know that Mason was on the show two times. He is the guy who told the amazing story of going to northern Alaska and biking all the way to Florida with his roommate from college. And then Mason went on to cross the United States several times, over 25,000 miles of transcontinental rides, including a tour of national parks and the Tour Divide and a bunch of other stuff. Now Mason has agreed to be a more permanent voice on the Adventure Sports Podcast. So we're excited about that. So Emily, give us your background. What's your history? So I am um, fortunate enough to be married to Mason. That's a pretty exciting piece of news. The most exciting thing that I do right now is teach 10-year-olds. So I'm just living vicariously through everybody that we interview, but I'm excited to learn a lot more about it and push myself out of my own comfort zone as well. Right on. And you also are, are involved with athletics at the school, right? I am. I am the co-athletic director of a K-8 charter school, and I am a girls basketball coach and an elementary school tennis coach. Right on. And I should mention that Mason and Emily also work with a company they own called Camp Crate. Mason, tell us a little bit about that. Camp Crate is just basically a travel agency for backpacking trips. So you contact us, we help you plan a trip, and then we rent out all the gear you need and then send it to you. Fantastic. Well, I am so thankful that Emily and Mason are uh, joining the team and that they'll be working with the Adventure Sports Podcast, taking larger and larger roles going forward. So at first, you're going to be hearing a little bit from them and then more and more and more from them. And I'm sure we'll have further announcements in the future. Hi, friends. Kurt here. I have an ultra runner, a trail runner, Magnifique today. This is Mallory Brooks. And a little history on on Mallory. She came to trail running when she was going to college at the University of Colorado. She was a rock climber, and a friend convinced her to try the Pikes Peak Ascent back in 2006. Prior to that, she had done trail running and hiking just to get to climbs. But when she did the Pike Pike's Peak Ascent, then she got hooked. And since then, she has run the Palo Duro Canyon, 60 miles of the Canadian Death Race, the Grand Canyon, rim to rim to rim, 
the John Muir Trail, she's also run around a dozen races in like the 50 to 60K distances, a few 50 plus mile races. And last summer, she set a new speed record for the Wonderland Trail, fastest known time with Allison Maxis. And that was really cool. That was a 93 mile event. Mallory also co owns with her husband Spectrum Trail Racing. And she is a trail running coach, and we're excited to learn about trail running today. So, Mallory, welcome to the program. Awesome. Thank you. I'm flattered to be on it. Oh, yeah. This will be a lot of fun. I am just always blown away, Mallory, every time I talk to someone that is an ultra-distance runner. And it's becoming more popular now than it used to be. I think it's growing as a sport. It is. But it just blows my mind because I never managed to get past about the half marathon. You know, that was about as far as I ever got. So how do you guys do it? You know, I feel like people love what they're good at, right? And I was never fast. So I had to figure out a way... To, to be great, to be, you know, it was fun to chase the podium and to see how well I could perform against other people. And 5K distances, I came in back of the pack. 10K, okay, middle of the pack. Okay, marathon, maybe top 10. And it just, I kind of just kept going with that. Okay, I seem to be doing better and better the further I go because mm. I don't have that, that quick turnover, that speed. But I do have that kind of willingness to go to this dark place and just be okay with, <laughs> kind of buckling down and doing something for six to 30 hours. Wow. Well, in way of kind of giving the listeners a feel for what this is all about, um, will you tell us about the Wonderland Trail record that yeah, you set absolutely. and what that was like? And by the way, for the listeners, the Wonderland Trail, it goes all the way around Mount Rainier. It does. Yeah. And 93 miles, a lot of ups and downs probably a very challenging trail to do this way. So tell us about that. Uh, when we were living up in Seattle, my family and I, I had heard about this fastest known time that a woman up there had just set on the Wonderland Trail. It's 93 miles. She had done it in about 31 hours. And I kept thinking like, I, I mean, again, I cannot move fast, but I can move for a long time. What if that's something I did? And I'd already summited Rainier as a 16-year-old then kind of gone away from mountaineering and more into trail running. So it was a different way to experience that mountain. And you can think about the trail as like a, a pie crust. It basically goes in a circle and it's up, down, up, down, up. It's constant. There's really nothing that's a sustained flat. So you're either kind of bombing downhill or you're just plugging away at some power hiking uphill. And I thought I really wanted to try this, but I don't think I want to do it alone. And I am a coach here at Rogue Running in Austin, Texas. And there is another girl here at, at Rogue who's an exceptional runner. I mean, wins the Austin Marathon, Olympic qualifier. She's amazing. And I just thought, well, let's just put it out there and see if maybe she'd want to do this with me. And she didn't say no. So I just kind of kept working on her. And eventually, Alice and Maxis said, you know what, let's go do it. I feel like too many people have told me to go try this. So once I had somebody that believed we could do it, I believed that I could do it. The planning is all part of the fun. You know, you get maps out and you get to decide which direction to go, which actually we switched that plan about a week before, kind of for methodical reasons, but it seemed kind of crazy. The whole thing seemed a little crazy. And we just thought at the end of the day, of worst case scenario, I got to spend a day and a half with somebody I really admire. And I got to do this great hike. And that's, that's the worst outcome. You know, the 
cards all fell in place. Everything worked right. And we ended up uh, breaking the record by about two hours. And that was a pretty, <laughs> was a pretty unbelievable experience. <laughs> so by two hours, <laughs> your time was around the 28-hour mark. Am I right? Yeah, we did a 29-hour 12 minutes. 29-12. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was a pretty solid break. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, what's fun about that is, first of all, the idea that you could do 93 miles on foot that fast in, in that kind of a condition. You know, that that's remarkable. But then the other thought I have is, wait a minute, you were running for that long? <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't say we're running all of it, but there was, yeah, I mean, at any, you know, regardless of if you're running, actually turning your legs over as quickly as you would have to to be considered running, our heart rate was high for 29 hours. I remember thinking mm. that at the beginning, okay, you've got to get comfortable with heavy, heavy breathing for 29 hours or, you know, 30. We weren't quite sure how long it was going to be. But it's a lot of, you know, do not make a mistake. Don't go down the wrong trail. Pump water as fast as you can. Don't leave your backpack behind. Don't break your water pump. You know, and it was self-supported. So we had to be responsible for all of our own things. And although we had our significant others pop in along the trail, at spots we weren't expecting them just to kind of check on us. We couldn't take anything from them. And we even had, uh, it was told to them that if they cheered for us, that was technically considered uh, assisting. So we would <laughs> run by them and they would just stand there and not clap. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> awkward experience, but they didn't want to ruin it for us. And they figured, oh my gosh, what if this whole thing gets, you know, an asterisk on it? And they said, you know, it was supported. They had people cheering for them. So. They decided to just stay quiet or yell really awful things at us, which was just really comical. <laughs> I was going to say to anyone, say, oh, you guys are doing horribly. Just don't yeah, even, yeah, yeah. I don't That's know why you're trying what this. they did. You guys look awful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fun. That's hilarious. At least made us laugh. Another highlight of this is that it's 22,000 feet of vertical gain on this trail. (laughs) That is a lot of vertical gain. Getting through these climbs, you earn these amazing views of Rainier from all different directions at all different times of day. So you really feel pretty intimate with this mountain, although you're not actually on it. One of the coolest stories from that trip was that at about 11 p.m. midnight, when all of the mountaineers start their climb. So in mountaineering, you start your summit attempt kind of in the middle of the night so as to travel on the most hard-packed snow and not fall into crevasses. So at about 11 p.m. or midnight, when we felt really isolated and all alone, uh, we looked up at the mountain and we could see all these headlamps turning on and we could see all these people on their summit attempt and it was really cool to think they, they probably can't see us. We'll never know who those people are. But it just felt like, all right, we're all doing something really badass right now, and let's go. You know, Again, we'll never know who those people are, but we have some kind of connection with somebody else that was doing something when it, it felt like the rest of the world was sleeping. By now you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bentgate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. 
Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. So what time did you start your run? I started at 6 a.m. and then finished at about 11 a.m. the next day. Okay, so you ran through the daylight hours, through the night, and then into the daylight hours. And as these races go, is that the best time to start? Or do some people like to start later in the evening? Or how does that work? Everybody tends to have their own kind of method for it. Um, For me, I knew I would be really tired skipping a night of sleep. So I wanted to be moving for as little time as possible with that sleepless brain. Uh, so by starting at 6 a.m., I felt we were really fresh until about 9 p.m. And about 9 p.m., brain starts getting tired. And then it kind of becomes this mental game of, you know, I try to describe it as your pain level doesn't continue to go up. You know, at mile 20, I'm thinking I could never deal with five times the pain that I'm in right now. So how am I going to get through this? And it doesn't necessarily get worse and worse and worse. It just levels off. So it becomes a game of, can I deal with this much pain for a long period of time? Can I deal with it not going away? And your body does things to try to tell you to stop. And it's this weird disconnect between your brain and your body. Your brain knows you're okay, you're still moving forward, but your body is trying to do things to say, look, we're going to start shutting things down because we're not really sure what's going on. We don't Mm -hmm. normally move for 30 hours straight. It's a game of kind of this mental fight against what your body is trying to do, which is save you and protect you. And we have really smart bodies, but kind of have to just say, trust me, it'll be over soon. Oh, it's just a press on through. Do you feel like you're just a zombie, you zombie through the night? Yeah, you know, it, it comes and goes. It's got to be like the only thing I can compare it to is if you've ever had a road trip where you drive through at night and you kind of zone out and you don't really remember the last hour and Mm. you kind of see things, you kind of don't, and you just keep telling your mind, like, keep looking forward, everything's normal. You know, we had talked about what if we start hallucinating, and as long as we don't hallucinate the same thing at the same time, we'll be okay. (laughs) We have each other to kind of say... Yeah, 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 you don't see monsters. I'm good. Everything's fine. But as we were finishing, we had about a mile to go. That's probably one of the longest miles of my life. We kept looking for indicators that the trailhead was near. And indicators are like, you know, small children hiking. Because you think, well, that kid couldn't have hiked that far. Or somebody holding a coffee cup. You know, something that shows you we're near civilization. And we were maybe only about a quarter mile from the trailhead. And we both had just said wow, we, we're going to have made it not hallucinating. What a great thing. And just after saying that, I looked ahead and saw what looked like a really hairy person just sitting there. And I thought, well, that's really weird. And I got closer and it looked more like a Sasquatch. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is awful. I can't say anything. This is so embarrassing. I'm starting to lose it. Just hold it together. Don't mention it, that you see something. So we just ran right by this Sasquatch-esque thing. And turns out it was one of our friends who had dressed up in a costume and decided to run the last stretch <laughs> with us. So it, she was actually there. And neither of us said anything about it because we both thought we were hallucinating. And she just started running behind us and said, oh my God, neither of you are going to say anything about a Sasquatch in the woods. And we just thought, we honestly didn't think you were real. So she ran in with us. Oh, and that's it was fun. Hilarious finish. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> 
That's crazy. I have heard such wild stories from people that do these really, really long events about what they have seen. Yeah. That I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you did hallucinate a Sasquatch. Uh, yep. Is that something that you've experienced before? Um, hallucinating? Yeah. You know, nothing more than hearing a crack in the woods or, you know, a burned down, cut off tree for a moment can look like a bear and then you get closer right. and it's fine. But I've never had any like lasting hallucinations. Mostly I just say, don't even look into the woods. You don't want to know. Or is it going to do you any good to know if there's a bear out there? You can't change anything. Just keep moving yourself forward. <laughs> Now, getting through the nights on these long, long runs, did it help to have Allison there to talk to? Is that part of what gets you through, or is it just a matter of keeping on, keeping on? It does. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't help to have somebody else there, but it's also one of those, you know, she's not going to, does she actually provide any safety? I mean, if a fair attacks us, we're both going down, but it's just that safety and numbers feeling. There was a point where her voice started giving out. And for some reason, my hearing started giving out. So it made for this really like old married couple kind of conversation. Like, what do you say? I don't, what do you, I don't even hear you. Like, let's just stop talking. It's not doing any good. I committed at the beginning to not talking about if I was having any pain. It just made it too real if I shared it with her and there's nothing she can do about it. And it really only brings the party down if, that becomes the focus. So up until we had about five miles left, we kind of stayed silent the whole time about how we were feeling and just told mm. stories. And there were times where she said, stop me if I've already told you this story before. And I thought, I'm not going to stop her. We have 29 hours to go. Like, go ahead, embellish on it. Tell me it again. <laughs> you can even bring it back in a couple hours. So yes, it helped to have her there. Definitely. Well, you've done a lot of long runs. Yeah. Um, the Rim to Rim to Rim mm -hmm. in the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, which one of these do you think was your favorite? Ooh. Um, yeah, outside of Wonderland, definitely Grand Canyon, Rim to Rim to Rim. And each time I go, I go with somebody else. I've done it three times now, and with my husband and with a couple friends, different friends each time. My favorite part about it is when I encourage everybody to start that venture in the dark. And as you start this descent down into the canyon, the sun comes up and you just kind of get exposed to the belly of this beast that you're going down into. There's something so different about a canyon versus a mountain where, mm. you know, it feels with a mountain, if things go wrong, you turn around and go down and you're okay. In a canyon, if things, if it gets bad, you now have the uphill, you have the hardest part to get to safety. And it's something so scary about just going down into this hole in the earth and the Grand Canyon is unbelievable it goes on and on and on and doing that with somebody each time getting to be there with them when they experience it for the first time is really pretty magical and it reminds you how cool it is and Allison and I have gotten some flack for doing Wonderland fast and I've gotten some flack for trying to run rim to rim to rim fast and people don't like that I don't know why this makes them mad but that we don't stop and smell the roses that we're just running across trail mm. and that's not it at all. We spend so much time looking up and around us, and we never, you know, sprint by somebody. Um, I always move to the side of the trail or make sure not to run up on somebody. I mean, our first and foremost important thing is that we enjoy what we're doing and that we respect that we're sharing the trail with other people. You know, everybody has their own way of doing it, and we like running. We like trying to see how fast we can run through some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, you bet. I... 
For the first yeah. time, I do a lot of mountain biking. For the first time this summer, I started mountain biking up around Treeline, and I had never been that high on a mountain bike before. And I was really excited to see the big, grand views that you get when you're that high up. And I actually found myself, Mallory, saying, oh, that's kind of a bummer. All I did was yeah. look down at the trail so I wouldn't crash. You know, I had to stop yep. to actually appreciate where I was. And that's why I, I think I would prefer to hike yeah. it, although I love mountain biking it. But I think I'd prefer to hike it so that I could have more time to look around. But then even when I'm backpacking, yep. I'll force myself to stop so I can just look exactly. up and see. But, you know, I, I really believe that different people like to encounter yep. nature in different ways. And in the way that you're doing this, you're not only experiencing nature in an amazing way, you're also experiencing the, the nature of your body and exactly. finding out what it can do. And that struggle, right, between the mind that's saying, I'm in control, I'm doing this, and the body that's right. saying, what are right. you thinking up there, you know? That whole experience, I mean, that's very unique. Yeah, and I say more power it to you. It's cool to just see generally like what we can do and what we're capable of. And our bodies are pretty fascinating and they want to help us out. Anything that goes wrong with the body, if you really look at the root of what happened during your ultra run, it's that your body is trying to preserve you. It's trying to save you. And it's this cool balance of pushing past what your body's telling you maybe you shouldn't do. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm. So it, is that what attracts you to the sport? That was going to be one of my questions. These really long runs, trail runs, is yeah, that why you do it? Yeah, to see what I'm capable of. Um, we talk as coaches a lot about what's your statement of purpose. You know, at, at mile 24 of a marathon, what is it that I could tell you that would pull you out of a dark place and get you to put a little pep in your run? I just do it to see what I can do. And do I do it to motivate others? I mean, I like to show my athletes that, you, know, you don't have to be fast. And I think this is something I'll be able to do later into life because it's, it doesn't involve such impact. Um, but yeah, it's just this fun game. And it's a rarely in our lives do we get to be completely disconnected with technology and, you know, the roles that we play in our daily life and just focus on what our body's doing. So it was in a way like 29 hours of active meditation. I don't know. It's like all, I only was worrying about myself and Allison. You know, but outside of that, it's my whole world is, you know, how am I focusing my athletes and my son and my husband and my coworkers? And it's a really selfish thing that I do. And I recognize that. And it's a massive, massive gift that my family gives me to support me while I do it and the hours of training that go into it. And that's, you know, that's a big part of the statement of purpose. And what we're trying to pull at the heartstrings of our athletes is to say, you know, you don't want to drop out. Remember what your family's put into this. It hasn't just been what you put into this. People are slightly more okay with letting themselves down. They don't want to let down people they love or people that believe in them. So we kind of play into that a bit. And my family's so supportive. They're all a part of it. And they want to run mm. with me. And my husband has his own endeavors. And it's kind of at any given time, you can look on the calendar and see, all right, who's who's the one that gets the early morning hours and who's training long on Saturday. And it's a balance. And I think we realized a long time ago, we couldn't necessarily both be training for the same race. We both ran the Canadian death race. And our training looked like um, my husband would run from about 6 p.m. until midnight. And then he'd come home and I'd wake up at about 2 a.m. and then I'd go run until about 8 a.m. And then we'd both be there and for our son and he never really knew what happened that night. You know, we we tried not to take any of that away from <laughs> must him. must have been exhausted. We have time with us over it, but it's wow. a massive commitment as a family, you know, from your family. 
Camp Crate is a gear rental trip planning service. So if you contact us, we will plan a backpacking trip for you if you don't have one planned. And then we rent you all the gear and send it to your house, send it to your hotel, wherever it needs to go, anywhere in the U.S., we will ship you gear. And then once you're done, you put it back in the box and return it back to us. Most of our customers are first-timers, so we want to give you the confidence to go out into the wilderness with the right gear and with the know-how. And also with 24-7 support, we're able to really make you feel comfortable while at the same time challenging yourself physically and emotionally and mentally. So we had some customers in the backcountry call us because they were concerned they had altitude sickness and we were able to talk them down, get them to a safe place, create an emergency plan, and we were willing to do anything we needed to get them out of there. But they ended up taking our advice and still having a really good trip. I know that a lot of people have told us it's been life-changing for them, the best trip they've ever done. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're always updating that. Our website is campcrate.net. So home is Austin, Texas now, right? It is, yeah. And that's where you have your running business? Yes. Tell us more about Spectrum Trail Racing, what that is. Yeah, so when we, uh, my husband had graduated from the LBJ school here at UT, and we went up to Seattle for about a year and a half, and we'd been racing a lot down here in Texas. And when we went up there, we started racing with Rain Shadow Running. And I don't know if you're familiar with James Varner's race series, but we're a big fan of his and his series. And he had these parties at the finish line. There was pizza being made and there was live music and people just wanted to hang around. And we thought, how has that not been created? How is this? Why don't we celebrate more after these races? You know, Mm, in Texas, it tended to be that people just went home. And when we thought, okay, we're going to start, we're going to move back to Austin. How can we bring this new style of trail running to Austin? And Chaos Trails already existed, owned by Joe Presidus, and we adore him in those races as well. We thought there was room for a different style. I like to think of the race companies as restaurants. Like a, ra- a race company can be amazing. A restaurant can be amazing. But you still don't want to have every meal there. You want variety. So we're a bit of a younger, more rough around the edges, we have beer, we have live music, we have, we just kind of like to push some, we try to do a little bit quirkier things and test the limits of what we can do a bit more. So then we created Spectrum Trail Racing and we've had that for three years of producing races now. And we've recently acquired the Rogue Trail Series, which is the oldest trail series in Texas. So that's kind of fun to now kind of breathe new life into an existing trail race series that I think just needed a little more love and attention and kind of build that back up again. Oh, that's very cool. So I see the 2018-2019 events. It looks like you have seven different races on the calendar right now. Is that about the number of races you do each year? Uh, right now we have, we're about to add one more to Spectrum, and then we have the three trail, Rogue Trail series. So it ends up being 11. 11, okay. We open up our, our season in September, and then we kind of close it down in May. And it's just way, it's ridiculous to race in the summer. We don't enjoy it. I don't think runners necessarily do. Asking your volunteers to stand out in 100 degree heat for 12 hours is really miserable. So yeah, this we is Texas, kind of have, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Texas. <laughs> yeah, my... My thermometer says uh, 106, mm. so, and that's in the shade. <laughs> that's brutal. So it's pretty rough. So we encourage people during the summer to go travel, do low mileage, go back to strength training, mobility kind of stuff. 
and then come back hard in September. And we kick it off with a race in the Davis Mountains out in West Texas, which is much cooler, kind of that high desert. Still gets warm during the day, but you get to wake up and line up at the start line in about 60 degrees. And then uh, our May races get to be pretty hot, and we just shut everything down after that. Nice. Oh, that's a lot of fun. So if people want to learn more, it's Spectrum Trail Racing, and I put Spectrum Trial Racing the first time, and that didn't get me anywhere. So oh, it is Spectrum it Trail <laughs> uh, Racing. Doc. I just I just transpose the digits. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. if you go to the track. Uh, spectrumtrailracing.com then all the races are there and there's more information about coaching and there's some nice blogs about health and the right ways of doing things i mean i almost got sucked into reading one on hydration just now and and thought no i I probably should do an interview instead yeah Um, (laughs) so lots of good stuff there good yeah we had a lot of people asking you know what do you think about hydrating during the summer can you give me some mobility tips And we decided enough people were asking about it that we should just put it out there. Uh, We have some book recommendations at the end. We had some people say, you know, what's a good training book? What's a good nutrition book? So we have some variety of different types of books that we've read that we like that we tell other people to read. And then we have, yeah, all of our races and race results and some videos explaining different race styles. We have learned about the short attention span of our, our athletes. And people like things served to them. You have about 30 seconds to get a message across. We have a, <laughs> a video on there that explains race concepts. People don't read fine print. <laughs> so we have a new race. Well, we did it last year. So this will be our second year to host it. And it's called The Game. And it's similar to last late race. You've heard of Big Backyard. Uh, ultra. The idea being that we have a 5K loop marked, and every 45 minutes the gun goes off. So at 8 a.m., everybody lines up, and the only thing you have to do to be able to run another loop is just complete the first loop in 45 minutes. Mm, Seems okay. easy enough. The first round, they're thinking, I'm sitting around a lot. This is boring. And then the second one, they don't have as long. Third one, they don't have as long. You know, and it's just a game of who can keep going. The first year we hosted it, we decided, let's just try it out. So we put all of the proceeds back into the race and into an award. And we just told the first place winner we would give them a couple pair of free shoes, $600, gift certificates to a bunch of places. And let's just, it's just going to be last man or woman standing and see how this goes. And it ended up being, it came down to two women. They played mind games on each other. One of them lined up and said, man, I'm just getting in my groove. I'm starting to feel good. And this was, <laughs> I mean, like 18 hours into a race. And the other girl thought, oh my gosh, well, I'm not feeling great. I'm not getting my second wind or fifth wind or whatever she's talking about. So they both took off and the girl that wasn't feeling as good as the other girl said she was feeling turned around and came back. And she said, look, I could probably do two more loops, but I think this girl's got it like 10 more in her. And the winner finished and she said, oh, I feel awful. I just didn't, I just, that's all I had was, to play the strong athlete and it worked out in her favor so it was so that's why we call it the game it's kind of this how are you going to play the game are you going to be the fastest person to do the first two laps because it's not going to help you are you going to walk the first two because you can power walk it and still finish in time sure so it's just a matter of who can keep going it's very entertaining you have 45 minutes to complete a 5k lap yeah now if you finish in 20 minutes then do you rest Mm-hmm. For 25 minutes? Yeah. Yep. You have 25 minutes to do whatever you want to do. And, mm. you know, we it's funny because the people that finished first on the first maybe five or six 
laps were pretty much the first to be done because they were just worn out. It's a lot of run really hard and then sit still and get stiff for 25 minutes. Oof, yeah. And the smartest people were the ones that came in right under the clock, and then they just had enough time to grab some water, maybe change socks, and just get right back on out there. They didn't really settle into the finish line so long. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. So lots of great. fun stuff going on with the yeah. with the Spectrum Trail racing. So I want to ask you a question. I always like to yeah. you know pick the brains of the experts for my own selfish reasons. So yeah, sure. I've always wanted Mallory to be able to run 14ers. Yeah. And the closest I've come is running down 14ers and hiking up them quickly. But I've seen people actually run up the 14er and I just think, "Wow, what does it take?" How does a person get to the point that their joints are that strong and they have a cardiovascular strength to do that? So my thoughts on that are we have a, an elite race team and we brought them all up to Colorado this summer just to have kind of a summit together and kind of do this crazy adventure together. And then a lot of team building and peeling back layers of the onion, trying to figure out what each person is trying to do and their goals. And, and we took them up Mount Yale. I mean, this is a 12-person team of some of the strongest people I've ever seen running. Say, you know, I'm bringing them from sea level and every, and I'm not sure I could have predicted how it was going to turn out. I mean, some people were vomiting their sick from the altitude and a couple of them decided to run up it and it was no problem. I've got to think that genetics plays more of a role in that because these are equally amazing athletes, but to be able to breathe and run at that level, at that speed, at that elevation, I mean, you can train yourself to do it, but outside of living at altitude, or sleeping every night in a hyperbaric chamber, there's not a whole lot you can do. i sure a scientist would argue with me on this, but I kind of believe that half of your VO2 is already predetermined and half of it is trainable. Mm, okay. And that there are people that can run up 14ers that they were born to do that. And there are people like me that I, I can't run at 13,000 feet. There's not enough oxygen for me to get down to my extremities, you know. So I'm of the power hiking group, power hike up, bomb downhill. Right. So I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't do that very often. I, uh, I I could say it's been a little while. I, I've run down a couple in the last few years, but really I'm, I just try to hike through and make it through, you know. Yeah. That's where I am right now. And I, I really enjoy it, but I would love to be strong enough to be able to power up a mountain like that. It just seems amazing to me. Right. And a lot of that, I think, is that find your pay, your 80% max heart rate and know that you're okay keeping your heart rate right there. The fastest people up a mountain are the ones that are steady and aren't fast and need to stop for a break. The people that just seem to get into this rhythm, they match their breathing with their steps. They tend to be the ones I feel like are the strongest and get to the top before the person that maybe sprints up the straightaway and then needs to stop at the switchback. Right. Okay. So, Mallory... We don't have a lot of time left. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to try to get into some of these longer running events and they've not done it before? What what would you tell them to do to get ready? I mean, such a simple one, but just show up and mm. try it. And, and maybe you sign up for a 50 miler and you cover 30. And every time we race, we learn so much. You know, I can lay out a bunch of tips, but for each athlete to know how their body experienced 100 degree heat or how their body reacted to steep or I have some people that can eat gels for 50 miles and I could never do it. So it's all kind of this, you know, take other people's advice, but be willing to experiment with yourself show up. You know, there are mornings I wake up and think, 
uh, this is not going to be a good run. But I show up and say, let's see what we've got. And it, I learn from the bad days as much as I benefit from the good days. I just feel like it's the people that show up to training and the people that commit to saying, I'm not going to run a 50 miler for the first time in a few months. It's going to be something I'm going to spend a year doing and I'm going to enjoy the process. It's really a cool thing to to do. Don't try to rush through it. And there's a tendency to just pick a race. And I get people saying, I want to, I want to run the Leadville 100. I've never run a 50 miler, but I just want to get to Leadville 100 next year. I think mm. you should, we should be talking about three years out. <laughs> right. let's, let's get down the basics because what happens is those people burn out or they have an awful race and they think I wasn't meant to do this, but they didn't really respect that process of showing up and putting in the work and trying to figure out what works for them and, and journaling. It's, it's really valuable and free to, sit down in your car after a run and write, you know, temperatures were this, I wore these shoes, started out a little fast. And even if you never go back and read it, your brain sits there and processes through. What did I do today and how can I learn from it? You know, that's kind of scrambled, but. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So last question, what keeps you coming back? I've done a few things in my life where I said, okay, well, I've done that once. I never have to do that again. You know, <laughs> yeah. You you keep returning to this. This obviously has a long term draw for you. What keeps you coming back? I get really motivated to just be better at running a little. You know, I, I put in these hours to try to go a little faster the next time I run rim to rim to rim, or and start focusing my efforts on another trail. And it's like I like having a really long term goal, and I enjoy training. So even if these adventures fall through. They're still what drove me and got me up in the morning. And the people that I run shoulder to shoulder with every morning, or I don't run every morning, let's be, let's be honest, these people inspire me and they do things that I could never dream of. And they tell me I do things they could never do. And if we just keep figuring out how to inspire people and it sounds cheesy, but like put good out into the world, then that's awesome. And that's all I really want to be doing. Just running with amazing people and hopefully pushing them to see what more they can do. I love it. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Adventure Sports Podcast today and sharing all of that with us. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Oh, yeah. It's it's a blast. And for all the listeners out there, hey, maybe this trail running thing is your gig. I don't know. Whatever it is, until the next show, do get out there and have some fun. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please do tell your friends about us. We want to make sure that we can help share the word, encouraging others and inspiring people to have great adventures and to make a difference in their world.